Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Welcome to this bonus TLS long read produced by NOAA, News Over Audio. If you'd like to listen to more audio articles from the TLS, you can do so on the TLS website or the News Over Audio app. Narrated by NOAA. Listen to more of the world's best journalism on the NOAA app or at newsoveraudio.com. You're listening to the TLS. This is Big Tech is Reading Your Mind. How Software Engineers Became Social Engineers in Our Democracies by N.J. Enfield From the issue of January thirteenth, two 2023 N.J. Enfield is in the School of Humanities at the University of Sydney. His books, Language vs. Reality and Consequences of Language with Jack Sidnell were published in 2022. You may never expect to find yourself throwing a petrol bomb through a shop window but don't rule it out. The question is what your threshold is and what it will take for you to cross it. When street riots erupt and individuals do surprising things, it is not because we have suddenly been altered by forces beyond our nature. It is because a usually dormant part of ourselves has been coaxed out of its cave. The sociologist Mark Granovetta defines a person's threshold for joining a riot as the proportion of the group he would have to see join before he would do so. Suppose, then, that your threshold is crossed and you find yourself hurling a brick. What is your defence when you are charged with mischief? That the crowd made you do it? If so, spare a thought for the spouse who has been punched, then told, look what you made me do, or the rape victim who is advised that they shouldn't have dressed that way. If we explain bad behaviour by pointing to persuasion or provocation, we run the risk of excusing it. But, of course, perpetrators have agency and are capable of desisting and walking away. So, when we commit atrocities, in the final analysis, we must have done so by choice, and our choices should be defensible. This is what distinguishes the Ivan Fredericks of the world from the Joseph Darbys. When Staff Sergeant Frederick faced court over his abuses of detainees at the Abu Ghraib prison in Baghdad in 2003, 
the controversial psychologist Philip Zimbardo argued that while Frederick did indeed beat, degrade, and terrorize detainees, he was in fact innocent. The abuses were the result of bad barrels, not the fault of bad apples. But we must admit that Frederick had a choice. Why? Because he could have done what military police sergeant Joseph Darby did. Darby found himself in the same toxic barrel at Abu Ghraib, but did not go rotten. He chose not to participate, instead exposing the crimes, and ultimately putting a stop to them. The same ambiguities arise with events of yet greater horror, and at far greater scale. During the Rwanda genocide of 1994, more than half a million Tutsis were slaughtered at close quarters by their countrymen, mostly with machetes. In Freedom to Think, the human rights lawyer, Susie Allegra, paints a moving, sickening picture of these massacres, arguing passionately that such crimes must never be repeated. She blames Rwanda's ghastly propaganda machine, known as Radio Machete, for the disaster, arguing that this bad barrel was responsible for producing thousands of rotten, murderous, machete-wielding apples. The propaganda machine, she says, was guilty of mind control. The madness of the Rwandan murderers is held up by Allegra as a cautionary tale amid new and urgent concerns about the power of social media and the internet. On her account, individual agency gives way to propaganda's capacity for controlling the minds or souls of whole populations. Rwandan radio propagandists were convicted for inciting the most appalling harm. What of the machete wielders on the ground? On the Ivan Frederick theory of human agency, they were victims, brainwashed and coerced into their crimes. But on the Joseph Darby theory, despite the intensity of the current they were swept up in, they knew what they were doing and went on killing anyway. Allegra insists that people's minds can be controlled, enslaved, hacked, and bent by forces in the infosphere greater than ourselves. According to this view, the human psyche is putty in the hands of the bad. Can propaganda literally control your thoughts and actions? It seems unlikely. One main function of propaganda is simply to remind everybody who is in charge. Another is not so much to control people's thoughts as to adjust the Overton window, to give people permission to say or do what they may already be disposed to. It feels better to say that Trump voters were brainwashed than it does to acknowledge their capacity for rational choice. The truth is that cultures vary. People are hard to persuade. They have to want what you are selling. So-called mind control is not Allegra's only concern. Her fight for freedom of thought extends to the human right to keep our thoughts and opinions private, especially in the digital age. New surveillance techniques are designed to make inferences about what we are thinking, hence the uncanny experience of suddenly seeing an ad for a tropical holiday when you could swear you'd only just thought of it. But while Allegra is right that big tech is reading us all everywhere all the time, being read is not new. Social life is fueled by reading people and being read by them. The human mind is an inference machine, geared towards interpretation and guesswork about the intentions and actions of others. Culture itself, our species' most ancient technology, can be defined as an infrastructure that expedites mutual mind-reading. 
The values and knowledge shared in the conventions of any society provide frames of reference for understanding what is happening at a glance, relieving people of the need to explain what they are doing at every turn. And every culture, including every language, is a great book of the dead, a product of past interactions, whose maps of meaning guide how our present actions will be interpreted. In this way, culture has a peculiar hold on us. While we may technically be free to act as we will, the fact that others will always see local meaning in our actions, causing us to tailor our actions accordingly, means we are far more constrained than we'd like to admit. Like Allegra, the barrister Jamie Suskind is deeply concerned with the fate of our tenuous freedoms. In The Digital Republic, his exceedingly sensible blueprint for the regulation of society under new information technologies, Suskind explains his vision of 21st century tech as a new threat to human freedoms. People will still be unfree if they are the passive subjects of rules written by others, or subject to moral codes that are alien to them. They will be unfree if they are made to live under constant scrutiny, or depend on others for the quality of their public deliberation. Here, Suskind means to describe the downsides of the new digital world, but again these words of warning would seem to apply equally to the impositions from social norms, that have applied since the earliest days of humanity. All cultures are made out of rules written by others. Their moral codes are all inherited from other times, and they impose on us all a life of constant scrutiny. What, then, is different about our new big-tech digital platforms and the ways in which they can subtly shape our outlook? The problem is not just that we are being nudged and interpreted this way and that, it's that the forces and mechanisms of nudging and interpreting are beyond our everyday ken. In social interaction, other people read me in much the same way I read them. But when an algorithm reads me, it's a one-way mirror. The device has been built by one of those software engineers who, Suskind explains, have become unregulated social engineers. Those who write code increasingly write the rules by which the rest of us live. And it's not the engineers we interact with, but their ghostly algorithms, serving the great data brokers who fund the operation. These algorithms are not our associates, and they are certainly not our friends. Our moments with them are not interactions, but extractions. Like a friend, an algorithm can pick up on your mood and anticipate what you might want or need. But the similarity usually stops there, in that its next move is to share this intimate inference with advertisers who then target you with tailored ads in a nanosecond. Our deep distaste for the predatory nature of these exchanges goes to a moral distinction at the heart of human relations, the difference between comrades and mercenaries. Both Allegra and Suskind make compelling moral cases for our rights to transparency and accountability in online-mediated social relations. Suskind outlines a detailed practical case for how we can regulate the extraordinary power of data-driven business interests in the face of our human vulnerabilities as incorrigibly social beings. One of Allegra's most compelling arguments for freedom of thought is that it allows us to try out ideas, to explore and test combinations of thoughts and concepts. In this way, freedom of thought is a prerequisite for scientific discovery. She seems to want such experiments to remain private. Let us think unspeakable things so long as they remain unspoken, she writes. 
but can progress toward new truths proceed without the intercourse that requires us to make thoughts public? As Karl Popper so passionately argued, science can advance only by a clash of cultures. With my right to think wildly comes your right to subject my thoughts to unrestrained critique, which must be as constructive and charitable as it is rigorous and severe. For a discussion which you win, but which fails to help you to change or to clarify your mind at least a little, should be regarded as a sheer loss, writes Popper. Your wildest thoughts are necessary, but keeping them to yourself will only guarantee such loss. Freedom to think is worth little without freedom to speak. This is because the human mind is notoriously poor at checking itself, so we badly need the help of our critics. A liberal society, Popper writes, stands on the proposition that we should all take seriously the idea that we might be wrong. Therefore, we must place no one, including ourselves, beyond the reach of criticism. It means that we must allow people to err, even where the error offends. Accordingly, Allegra's call for freedom of thought demands an equally passionate call for an intellectual culture that values wild imagination, valiant error and rigorous checking. We must not only think freely, but also speak as we think, and submit our thoughts to checking in the open. By such checking, I do not mean the punishment that Allegra rightly despises. Once your thoughts are revealed, or even inferred, it is always possible that someone will try to punish you for them. The antidote is not to keep our thoughts unmolested, to hold opinions without interference. Interference of the right kind is a needed gift. Salman Rushdie, for this reason, insists that without freedom of expression there cannot be freedom of thought at all. The moment you declare a set of ideas to be immune from criticism, satire, derision or contempt, freedom of thought becomes impossible. His rule of thumb? You never personalise, but you have absolutely no respect for people's opinions. And by no respect, he means the highest respect a true desire to participate collectively in reaching the goal of truth. Allegra and Suskind's timely, thought-provoking books do an excellent job of communicating the stakes of our poor literacy and unfit regulation in the digital realm. Each is a wake-up call, with revelation after unsettling revelation, about the ways in which, with every tap and click, our preferences are bought, sold and traded and both make essential cases for new forms of regulation and governance, Allegra in broad brush and Suskind in almost photographic detail. But understated in both books is the flip side of human rights, human responsibilities. So let us think freely and speak freely of it without punishment, but let us not be free from challenge and charitable critique. Let us be mindful that our individual actions are caused by beliefs and desires that are also not exempt from challenge. Our duty is to defend them. From the petrol bombs of Brixton to the machetes of Rwanda and the cell blocks of Abu Ghraib, individual actors find themselves balancing external and internal forces of interpretation, motivation and action, all with the highest of stakes. Whether they have acted justly should be decidable in public through the twin processes of creative thinking and rigorous critique. You've been listening to the TLS. This was Big Tech is Reading Your Mind. How Software Engineers Became Social Engineers in Our Democracies by N.J. Enfield from the issue of January the 13th, 2023. 
It was read by Martin Buchanan for Noah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.